Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the freaks come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast. Powered by the State of Louisville Network. All right, welcome into episode five of From the Pink Seats. I am the host of this podcast, Jacob Lane, along with Matt McGavick, as always. And the season is officially over, at least for right now. Uh, I don't believe there will be a bowl game in, in the future for Louisville football, but if there is, we'll cross that bridge. Let's welcome in Matt McGavick. Matt, how are you tonight, buddy? I'm I'm a little tired. I'm not going to lie because I've been slaving away at my computer in preparation for uh, the early signing period starting tomorrow, but we'll get into that a little later on in the episode. I've been grinding the tape a little bit, getting in those last-minute uh, player profiles, you know, setting up all that good stuff like a good soft J journalist. Love to hear it. We've got a great show tonight. We're going to just kind of quickly run through some of the big topics surrounding Louisville football right now. Obviously, the season has come to an end with Louisville winning their final game against Wake Forest this past weekend. And for the second year in a row, the Wake Forest game was my favorite game of the year. That's crazy. I would have never thought that for all of those years that we watched 12 to 10 Wake Forest Louisville games. We've been blessed the last few years with a lot of points, uh, a lot of good to come out of that game. Uh, a lot of things to be really, really excited about. Uh, and of course, getting to see those seniors out on a win. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick crying on the field is, was my, my personal like inner uh, Louisville fan right there. Like I, I was just with him in that moment, but what a, what a great weekend and national signing day, the early, uh, the early national signing period opens up as Matt mentioned tomorrow, a lot of transfers and moves happening with the Louisville roster as college football free agency gets underway. Uh, Matt, let's start with the Wake Forest game, man. Uh, a great win for Louisville uh, after all that has happened over the last three weeks, two weeks with the coaching search and Scott Satterfield. Um, it was awesome to see winning football. Yeah, especially with the circumstances heading into the game, like you said, all of the rumors and whatnot surrounding head coach South, uh, South head coach South Carolina. See, I told you, <laughs> I'm not told even you. five minutes in, man. Not even five. <laughs> this is what covering recruiting does to your brain. Yeah, I know. This is your brain. This is your brain on recruiting. <laughs> Given the, the circumstances heading into the game with head coach Scott Satterfield and the uh, vacant head coaching position at the University of South Carolina uh, with the availability or lack of availability of a lot of players for Louisville because about what was it 15 minutes before kickoff it was announced by the school that nine players were going to be unavailable I mean one of them we kind of already knew two two had declared uh for the NFL draft earlier in that week but little did we know that we were in for uh, a little glimpse of the future when it comes to the offensive standpoint because of those of those nine six were normal offensive starters yet uh two two you had Ian Pfeiffer you had uh Justin Marshall, I believe. And then you had the three interior offensive linemen. Two of them were out for contact tracing and Robbie Bell had been dealing with an injury, but basically it was, it was a test to see if, if 
if Louisville could was as prepared as they said they were with with uh, COVID all season long because what, their whole next man up mentality has, has has been tested a little bit this season with uh, the Virginia game, the Virginia Tech game. Bas- and but this was the the first time we'd seen it on the offensive side of the ball because the previous times it, it affected mainly the defense and it took the but, entire defensive line out. Whereas this is three of your eight or nine offensive linemen. So much different scenarios, but you're right on the offensive side of the ball. Right. And, and oddly enough, the defense was Louisville's strength this season, which is something I honestly did not foresee. So seeing this happen to the offensive side of the ball, which has kind of struggled a li- in, in its own right, despite putting up all these yardage totals. So it, it was a bit of a slow start about it took them about a quarter to wake up but the end product that we saw up there it i i, I couldn't help but f- it, it it was just great to see sorry uh, the 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 thought train is just getting derailed at this point you know what i'm well, trying look, to say when, when you have seven or eight punts in a row or whatever it was in the beginning of the game it's it's quick and easy to pretty much fall asleep uh i, I thought we were destined for one of the most boring games of the season but sure enough uh, the offense got rolling, man, and that's the, the the offense without JV and Hawkins and Tutu out. Well, seeing them kind of perform at that high level, putting up you know forty one, forty two points. I forget the forty five points, forty five um, points. You know, against a defense that has has the one of the best turnover margins in the country was really encouraging. I, I thought at every turn the, the the running game looked really good. I thought the young receivers looked great. Obviously, Jordan Watkins getting his first touchdown of the season and of his career. You know, they got Marshawn Ford involved. They, it, it was just Francis Sherman. Um, you know, it was just really cool to see the offense kind of not revolve around two guys. And then um, Austin and, Collins came out of nowhere. Right. And so let's talk about that. One of the one of the qualms I've had with Louisville football this year when people say, man, their, their offense isn't that good. What's going on? It's all because of the quarterback. I said, well, you know, slow down. Not so fast in the words of Lee Corso. Let's look at that interior offensive line because it's bad. It's been really bad. Um, and, and last year having Makai Becton and Tyler Haycraft as their bookend tackles, it made up for a lot of the weakness that they had on the inside of the offensive line with the interior. Uh, and obviously right. they do a lot of outside stuff, right? So more more heavy on the tackles there. But I thought this season that the interior line has looked mediocre at best uh you know there's been games where they've played well obviously i know cole bentley has kind of received some national attention with some of his play he's look he's a fine center man but i thought that they looked like Dwayne ledford offensive lineman they were mauling people in the second half i have not seen louisville run the ball up the middle like that in quite some time i thought they played out they were physical um they, they were athletic, they moved, and it took a little while to get there. Um, and, and somebody made the joke in our in our writer's chat that, that Austin Collins just rolled the football to Malik Cunningham early in the game. It obviously took him some time to get adjusted there, and, and I didn't know that he had never played center before. What a fun fact to come out of that game. But I was really encouraged by the interior offensive line play and being able to get Jalen Mitchell you know, inside and make plays in the middle of the field. I hope that next season, as they kind of work in these new young guys, probably Jackson Gregory will be competing at that center spot with Austin Collins and some other guys and then you've got that right guard spot depending on what you know Cam DeGeorge does if he comes back if Robbie Bell comes back potentially um, you know there's going to be some competition at these spots that maybe just kind of push this offensive forward uh, in a new way where we see some bigger beefier mauler type offensive linemen I certainly hope so and it's going to be interesting to, uh, to track over the next couple of weeks to see who decides to stay and who decides to go because we, we've already gotten off to an interesting I don't want to call it complete transfer period because not not it doesn't have a lot to do with the transfer portal, but we we've seen some some declare for the NFL or try or move elsewhere that we kind of expected, and then we've seen one that we just 
didn't ex- didn't see it all. I mean, we, we kind of expected Rajay Burns to go to the next level. Marlon character, he had he had been a a pretty solid defender all year. He had a really a really quiet season, but was secretly uh, secretly one of Louisville's better defenders in the secondary. He ends up declaring for the NFL draft, and then we've got T Webb who that that one kind of confused me a little bit because by all accounts he was going to be the future at some point it might not have been next year but the coaches hyped up especially QB coach Frank Ponce that while he might have that deer in the headlight looks more times not because he's a true freshman I I believe his actual quote was he makes the wow throws and then seemingly out of nowhere he hits the transfer portal and that leaves Louisville with as of right now before the signing period just two scholarship quarterbacks in, uh, in Evan Conley and Mikhail and Malik Cunningham. I mean, we're going to add a third in, in TJ Lewis, but now that just kind of puts the program in a little bit of a bind. Like where, where are they going to go for an extra quarterback now? Because you can't have three scholarship quarterbacks in the QB room. Um, not only is that not good from a competition standpoint to try and ha- uh, motivate Malik Cunningham to have a bounce back final year, if he decides to return, but I mean, just from a pure death persp- uh, point of view, I mean, you saw what happened all season long with injuries and COVID, uh, not maybe not opt-outs, but contact tracing and positive cases. You, you just, they, they need another quarterback that bar none. And yeah. I, I don't, I'm not sure where it's going to come from at this point. There's been some rumblings as to where it's going to come from. It's been reported that uh, Louisville's been in contact with Mississippi State transfer Garrett Schrader. I'm not 100% sold on him, but if, at this point, if it gets that's another – That's the guy that got punched in the face, right? Isn't he the one that won the bowl game last year? The, the guy, guy that got punched in the face and sucked so bad at quarterback that Mike Leach moved him out to receiver. And didn't his teammates, like, hate him? I mean, I, I, I feel like I remember hearing that, like, his teammates were like, oh, that guy deserved it type of type of after – I think it was Willie Gay, the guy that plays in the NFL now at linebacker that punched him in the face. Like, his teammates were kind of like, yeah, man. Good, I, I, I can't vouch for that per se, but – if you, I swear if, that happens. If, if your own teammate punches you in the mouth, you had to have done something to piss them off. <laughs> right. Unless, the last unless time somebody got guy... punched in the mouth was Geno Smith. You remember that several oh, years ago? Get owed yeah. somebody money. Yeah, we're going way back here. But yeah, you're totally good old right. Jets. <laughs> you know, I think T Web for me, I am personally not surprised that he is transferred out. Now, I, well, I, let me say this: I'm I'm surprised that he's transferring, but I never looked at him as the guy. Uh, obviously, I think we all thought Chubba Purdy was going to be the guy when he came in, you know, was supposed to come in with T-Webb last year. And T-Webb was just assumed because he was in the class that he was the next guy, right? Well, we go right. out, we see them land TJ Lewis this year. You look ahead to 2022, not to go down a recruiting rabbit hole, but A.J. Duffy is a guy who has been, you know, really high on Louisville, a four-star quarterback, three high three-star quarterback. Gavin Wimsett in Owensboro is one of the top quarterbacks in the country. So maybe T-Webb saw the writing on the wall that maybe the job, the step to the job was not as easy as he thought. I don't know. Just, just something kind of interesting there. And also in the, in this COVID year, man, people just wanting to go home and go closer to their family when things are so scary, you know, people are losing loved ones. Like this is a, this is bigger than football in some of these moves. Um, you know, maybe he's homesick. Maybe he just wanted to be home uh, as this thing kind of dies down. I can't blame him for that now, but the, the, the interesting thing is what do they do? I, I think that you have to go out and get a graduate transfer. I think they were going to do that regardless of T web transferring. I really do. With Juwan pass leaving, I think that they, saw uh, they needed somebody to push Malik Cunningham who is pushing Malik Cunningham this past year 
to be a better quarterback in terms of competition. We know Juwan Pass is limited. He's not going to be the guy. Evan Conley, maybe he is what he is. And then obviously T-Webb, they said deer in the headlights. There was nobody to push Malik this past year. Go get a graduate transfer. Bring him in. You have TJ Lewis in the room. Maybe go out. Uh, you, you know, you have Evan Conley, assuming he stays. And then you're back to four, four or five guys, and you feel a little bit more comfortable, comfortable with it. Um, and I think that that's probably what they'll do. I certainly hope so. I, I just I just hope that out of all this, Malik doesn't get any more dis, any discouragement. He didn't uh, seem like he had signs of discouragement throughout the season, but but it was we all know that he had a, a regression year. I mean that's it is what it is. He went from having the second most accurate QBR in all of, the, of Division One to having double digit interceptions, I believe it was. And so I, I, I hope that's not a trend that goes into next season. I hope he's able to bounce back and take some lessons, whatever that may be from this year, and then apply them into the off season and into spring ball and then fall camp. And then the 2021 season, no matter who is in the QB room, because at the end of the day, you can have two QBs competing for a job. You can have 10 at the end of the day, you're responsible for how you perform on the field. Other guys are just mitigating factors as to how well you apply yourself. Yeah, and, and there's that, that famous saying that goes, you know, if you have multiple quarterbacks, that's a good problem. And then there's also the train of thought that if you have two quarterbacks, you you know, you have a problem. So those guys, the coaches, they know Malik's mental fortitude. They know that if competition is something that, that he would thrive with or, you know, if they bring in another guy, is he going to get discouraged? You have to worry about regression with the offense simply because – they're losing, you know, two of the best receivers in program history, a lot of inexperience behind them. But, you know, you hope that if Malik stays, they bring in a gra- graduate transfer that at that point, it, you know, truly the best quarterback is going to play regardless of what happens. So, um, you know, to, to t- touch on the transfer topic and um, kind of look at what has happened over the last couple of days, the, the roster is changing significantly. I said this a week and a half ago that, you know, I, I thought that there was going to be some movement based off of, players feelings with Scott Satterfield and things that happen. I don't think this is related to that. I think this no. is players um, quickly deciding whether they want to play another season of college football for the, the guys that got an extra year or whether they want to go pro, which right. We've seen Rajay Burns now declare for the draft. We've seen um, obviously Tutu Atwell, JV and Hawkins, uh, Marlon character today. Um, uh, but you're seeing some transfers too, right? We're seeing guys like Russ decide that they want to go somewhere else. My God, if he goes to Kentucky, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. It's all I can think about the last the, two days. The writing is on the wall, man. I mean, his dad is one of the best receivers in program history. I mean, you know this is setting up for something like that to happen. I have the feeling he is going to Kentucky. It is just a gut feeling. The second he transferred, I was like, oh, shit, man. Please don't let it be Kentucky. We dodged the bullet with Brian Brown going to Kentucky. I can't I can't have it be that one of our best defenders over the last several years is now at Kentucky. But they've had some deflections. Um, in your mind, just what, what you've seen, what you've kind of reported on, what what's the biggest loss off the top of your head? For Louisville or just for, just trans- for Louisville? No, just for, just Louisville, for Louisville overall with the players that have left so far, have made, you know, made a decision to go pro, uh, obviously not including JV and Tutu because we kind of know that. But the last couple of days, the, the guys that we've seen kind of slowly start to trickle into the portal. I think the biggest loss out of the guys that were, were kind of surefire leans to the NFL draft is probably Marlon Character. Because he he kind of peaked in the back half of the uh, 2020 season. He was second on the team in pass deflections behind Kytrell Clark. He he was a, a, a serviceable cornerback. I mean, he was kind of bouncing in and out of the starting lineup. But in, at the end, he started to find continuity there. 
and just to lose that piece. Now, Louisville is bringing in a a decent crop of secondary uh, pieces, whether that's cornerback or safety, and they're pretty versatile between the two spots. So, uh, very they very easily could and some of them are going to be early on early enrollees as well so if they get the necessary time they might see early playing time as freshmen but that being said they're still going to be freshmen and losing someone with marlin, marlin character's experience i mean he was the number one he was the number one juco safety in the nation when he decided to come to, to louisville he he's a talented guy and losing someone like him it, it's it's going to be a big blow to the, to the defensive as a whole yeah, he's a physical corner. I, I really liked watching him play, and he he took off late in 2019 towards the end of the season. Got a slow start uh, this year, but he he did really come on strong. He's a big loss, but he's a guy who's been through the JUCO system. I mean, he's 23, 20, 22 years old. Like, age is, you know, is working against him here with an NFL career. Can't blame him at all for that. Um, you know, the rest of East one – I. I'm a little confused by that simply because you feel like that the thing for him, if he's going to play in the NFL, he needs more production. Um, I think that maybe he saw the writing on the wall of Levy Jenkins as being a better player um, than him in terms of fit and, and scheme with, with Louisville. Um, I think that's a big loss, but you know, overall there's not really a guy that we, the T web one again was, it was not shocking. It kind of came with a little bit of like, hmm, you know, I wonder what's, what's there. Uh, Roger Burns is a guy I, I don't think is going to play in the NFL. It's interesting. Shane Hollum, who we had on last week, um, talked about the, that he could be a potential late round guy. I didn't see that. Um, I thought maybe, you know, he would be a guy who could consider coming back for another year. So I guess if I had to say he would be the, the bigger loss, especially because, you know, if he were to come back for another year, he's the clear cut starter there. Russ East, if Lovey Jenkins takes that step, that's a little bit more of a, hey, maybe there's some competition there. But Rajay was going to play over Marvin Dallas, Zay Peterson. Uh, I know they've got some guys coming in in the signing class, which we'll talk about here shortly. Uh, but I think that that would be the more the, the big loss that they had on the defense. But again, I said this earlier to, to our, you know, our group chat. These guys were seniors. They were leaving regardless, you know six months ago, eight months ago, before the NCAA granted an extra rule or an extra year of eligibility. So we shouldn't be too surprised, you know, or taken aback by that. This coaching staff had been preparing for those guys to leave for a while. Right. This is something that had been bracing, they had been bracing for before this rule came out. I mean, them getting an extra year was just a, an added bonus. So it, it's the, the staff has a plan in place. No, whether or not that plan in place comes to complete fruition, we're going to see. Obviously, they're they're doing all their efforts they can, bringing in the uh, signing class starting tomorrow. And what remains to be seen, who else is going to fill the last two, three, four spots, however many they have left in this class. And it, we're not sure who else is going to stay and who else is going to go, and that's going to affect the uh, – the counters against the scholarships and whatnot. So, and I'm sure they thought about this months in advance. I, I, I would hope so at least. And taking all this new COVID rules into account, which if they can keep track of them all, God bless them because they, they get more confusing by the day. And it seems like, and I, I know we have to be fluid and whatnot, given the pandemic and whatnot, but it, it certainly throws a wrinkle into everything and anything and everything, whether it's football or just life in general. Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of which, uh, let me say this. I, I read the piece today from the Courier Journal from Cam Teague talking about Louisville's recruiting efforts during the pandemic. And a, a major shout out has to be given to Coach Satterfield and his staff 
for being able to go on that long tear where they just got commitment after commitment after commitment. And I know they had some big losses. The Travion Ford battle, losing that to Missouri was really unfortunate. Corey Kiner going to LSU, who can blame him there? You know, there were some other guys in there that Louisville looked to be in good spots with. But when you look at this class and and where it's going to rank in Louisville history, the caliber of player that they have coming in, in the middle of a pandemic, when you're in your second year is a third year, you know, the third recruiting class, I think that's just uh, incredible. And, and the fact that Louisville is going to sign the majority of these guys is a big win. Let me ask you this. If when we're talking about the 21, uh, the 2021 class, you've been writing all day preparing for tomorrow. What is the biggest storyline entering signing day? I think the big, the biggest storyline is going to be, um, if they can actually pull off a huge surprise. Now, there, there's a lot of rumblings out there that now that uh, they're going to try and flip an old target, uh, Prince Colley, up at uh, who's currently a commit at Notre Dame. He's a top 100, 150 recruit in the class of 2021, who was a huge Louisville for the longest time. And now rumblings are starting to come out that ever since um, defensive coordinator Clark Lee bolted to take the Vanderbilt job, who was who he was very close with, that uh. Once he left Notre Dame, they started to reforge that connection between Louisville and and Collie. Now that connection never went away when he committed to Notre Dame. They they obviously in recruiting, even when a year target commits elsewhere, they still maintain those relationships and keep up with them. And you know, just in case something like this happens, so the story now this this might not be resolved today. It might carry on until the actual um, national signing day in February. But I I think the story is if they can pull off something that is currently not on paper as of right now. Which we've seen each of the last two years, right? So obviously the first year, Evan Conley was the big surprise. They came in late. They needed needed their guy. And they flipped him from App State um, to Louisville. And then last year it was Marquis Lowry, the cornerback, again, from App State. He had been a commit there for a while. Um, And uh, Drinkowitz leaves, and that commitment becomes uh, open again. He lands with Louisville. Didn't play much this year. But still, the point stands they flipped somebody each of the last two years. Now, if you can flip somebody from Notre Dame in the midst of the season they've had, I get Clark Lee is leaving and, and headed to Vandy, but uh, they, they're perennially, you know, they're one of the best programs at recruiting linebackers, defensive ends. They produce NFL player after NFL player. That's a big win for Louisville. And he's a guy uh, who comes in and he, he changes the class. He changes the class completely. Uh, so that's a, that's a big win for Louisville. Um when you look at the players that are signing, they're expected to sign 22 tomorrow, I believe is the number. Um, a couple of four-star guys. I, I know the answer to this because you have a you have a, a recruiting crush on this guy. Uh, but who who is the who's the who's the guy you're just like the most excited about? Maybe this is just my predisposition to liking the running game. But I, I'm really high on Travion Cooley. And he, he, depending on if Maurice Berkeley decides to come back for a final year, he's someone that could see a lot of early playing time. And th- this this is the guy. This is this is the guy who Louisville fans, I believe, are going to be most excited about when uh, 2021 rolls around because not only is he a speedy runner who has a ton of agility, but I've, I've watched a couple of his highlights where he just goes full steam ahead into someone. And he just bowls them over. Like he, he's not just like a speed back. He's an all purpose back who ha, who can just has the physicality to either find the right gap or create his own gap by destroying the person who's in his way. And I remember the first time I watched his highlight film, when I started really writing about him, I believe when he committed in 
somewhere over the summer in June or July. His first highlight was him just speeding through and just running someone over and immediately caught my attention, like eyebrows raised, jaw dropping, everything. And then from then on, it just got better and better. <laughs> so I'm I'm excited to see him uh, in a Louisville uniform and see what he can do. They went very, very heavy in the secondary this class. And when you consider that Louisville in just their third season, uh, our second season with the program was the 19th best pass defense in the country. You have to be encouraged by the amount of weapons that they're bringing in. I love the additions of Benjamin Perry, Braylon Oliver. Um, they've got a couple of corners in there who are exciting. Connie Walker. Can I Walker? I'm not exactly sure how to say his first name, but he's a guy who's six. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it either. Like, I, I, I hope to learn tomorrow. Ever since the Seahawks had that that secondary with Brandon Browner and Richard Sherman, six foot two and up cornerbacks have always excited me. Uh, and so you've got to love that. You've got to love the athleticism that they're bringing back there. They are they they the secondary. You know the the whole thing with Brian Brown's defense is not getting beat over the top and having guys who can contain. They are going to have speed, athleticism, and they're going to have some Calvin Pryors out there flying around. Like we're going to see some guys who can hit, man. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Is there a guy that we have to worry about potentially flipping? We see one every single year. Um, you know, last year they were able to keep the majority of their recruits. I think they had a linebacker decommit late and go to Georgia Tech. Um, they've had, you know, they've had a couple over over their their three recruiting classes. But is there anybody that you could point out and say maybe he's somebody to watch? I, you know, I really wish that. I had someone to give to you because you would think in, in this time period with all the rumors going around with Scott Satterfield, Satterfield and South Carolina, that that might've caused some, um, someone to have second thoughts and maybe start to look elsewhere, or you, you would maybe hear some rumblings that maybe they're a little bit discontent with what's going on and want to try maybe explore elsewhere. But based on what I've heard and what others have heard, we shouldn't expect any any flips now i i hate to say this because it's, it's slightly unfair because of how it used to be but if i had to choose one it might be amari huggins bruce because during his recruitment leading up to the moment he actually committed to louisville there was a lot of speculation about if he was actually going to stay with louisville or if he was going to go back to virginia tech so he was, he was kind of flip-flopping between the two but that was something that was happening over the summer i i i I feel uncomfortable saying his name just because I, it seems that he's a stone cold walk for, yeah. You've I already know. said his name too late. I know Can't it's already uncomfortable on, now. It's already on the internet. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it seems like he's, he should be a stone cold lock to be a Cardinal. But then again, I, I said the same thing about Zen Mikowski, like based on everything I'd saw online, he would, he seemed to be like a, a player recruiter. Heck, I, I even drove up to Floyd some after a couple of games and, and talked to the guy and he was, he was raving about the class. And then, Lo and behold, he flips to Ohio State. So you, you never know with recruiting. It uh, Could there be someone flipped tomorrow? Absolutely. I mean, the, the recruiting world is what it is. It's it's chaotic. It's unpredictable. Something crazy always happens every year, every cycle. It's like clockwork. So can, can someone flip? Absolutely. Will they? If I had to gun to head, I would say no. I think Louisville's going to make a couple additions over the next seven to 10 days. Um, I think they're going to lose some more players. I think we're going to see some more guys make decisions to go elsewhere. Um, I'm working on a piece right now for the state of Louisville, uh, projecting who is going to step into the empty starting roles left behind by guys like Rajay Burns, Russ Yeast. Be sure to check that out. Uh, I think there's a lot of talent on this roster. I'm so excited to get into over the next couple of episodes, Matt, breaking down the season that was, but also looking at the roster and really dissecting where Louisville is going to 
have new players, where they're going to take steps at, you know, steps forward, where we're going to see steps back. It's going to be an interesting offseason for Louisville. A lot of it depended on what happens with the vaccine and how quickly we can get back to kind of normal here. Uh, but let's end on this right here. Tomorrow, Louisville is expected to sign a lot of players. Uh, who are going to be really, really good. If you had to guess right now, put your 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 future hat on, who is the best player from this class in four or five years? Ooh, ooh. And, and you put me on the spot. I did. I didn't I'm, tell I'm, you I, that I was going to ask you that. I didn't no, know I was going to ask that until about 30 seconds ago, but here no, we are. Fine. I'm not going to give my cliche answer and say Trayvon Cooley just because I have a recruiting crush on him. I am going to say... Probably one of the guys in the second, Ben Perry. I'm going to go with Ben Perry just because I, I know it's kind of an easy cop on answer because he's the, he's one of, if not the highest rated recruit in various recruiting services and whatnot, but the flexibility that he gives, um, whether that's playing safety, free safety, strong safety, cornerback, and just his, his God-given talent, I think he he's probably has not the highest upside, but the highest potential. You heard it here first, right there, Matt McGavitt, giving his hot takes tonight on the, from the Pink Seeds podcast. I'm including this caveat that he gave me this hot take, un, like unprepared for, it, unprepared right. and slightly sleep deprived because of recruiting coverage. So if this is dead wrong, and probably will be, but blame me. Thank you guys for tuning in. It's going to be an exciting couple of days here for the Louisville football program. As always, be sure to check us out on Twitter, Pink Seats Pod. I think is the, the, the Twitter handle there. Pink Seats Pod. I should know that, but I do not. Stateoflouisville.com is the website. Matt, where can they check out your recruiting coverage tomorrow? Today. That's, they'll be listening to it today. Where can they go right now to catch your recruiting coverage? They can check out the team channel, Louisville Report. It's going to be at Louisville on SI. You can check out my personal Twitter, uh, Twitter page, at General Wasp. I'm going to be firing that stuff hot and heavy tomorrow. I've got a piece lined up for every one of the recruits that we're expected to sign. I'm going to have a live blog running. I'm going to have a recap at the end of the day. And who knows? You might have some other content depending on how the, how the day shakes out. But we'll see. Multiple browsers, folks. That's a feature in our multiple tabs is what I should say on your internet browser. You heard where you should go to check out the recruiting coverage. Listen to this podcast on stateoflouisville.com or anywhere you get your podcast. We will catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.